take the opportunity to calm, to settle. It takes quite a while, but for a few decades it gets a bit easier. <laughs> It's getting stirred up again, just as it's... <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just a lovely thing to, to put some quality uh, care and attention into. It's just a beautiful thing to do. You're not in a hurry. You don't get too frustrated or tangled up or... You know, Identify with the difficulties if they're some statement of what you are or your fault or your problem. They're, they're just these phenomena that arise in terms of karma, consequence, cause and effect. Yeah. Let's be able to see it as, it, as they are, as the, as the sense of it. Some of them dissolve, some of them residual, some of them just that nagging thing there that you just learn to live with and not to get kind of heated up about, excited about or tangled up with Mm -hmm. body stuff, mental habits. Um, It's very person, personhood, it's conditioned nature, it's like this. Seeing as it is, it's really you know, so calming. Is is uh, accompanied by reflection, by wise reflection. You can't really calm and ease things if you take it all too personally, because you get one gets kind of tensed up or exasperated or pushy or you know with with uh, obstructions. Mm-hmm. So just seeing them as they are. And how do we do this? Well, one way of recommending is just to experience these as body, in body, in, in embodiment. So it could be qualities of um, overall tightness, tenseness, or distinct areas which feel uncomfortable or numb or frozen or whatever. But one of the qualities of Embodiment is both very much intimate, definitely felt, you're not just conceiving, it's definitely felt. Yet it's also some sense of, well, that's there, isn't it? Mm. Oh, how do I relate to that? How am I with that? I, what's the feeling that arises out? What's the mind tone? Kind of resigned? Uh, zoning out? Uh, pushing? Um, meddling with what's the mind what's the mind tone there what's the mental proclivities and these are qualities that we can have some say over the quality so just generating or touching into the sense of acceptance goodwill it's okay now you know breathing in breathing out feel the space feel the groundedness it's okay don't get too bothered by this Things on the intensity. 
soft approach. But it's a steady softness, it's not is uh, powerful. The quality of water that dissolves everything. And bestowing that quality into, even into our embodiment. It's not saying you have to dissolve everything or hurry up and dissolve everything or, you know, it doesn't really matter, but just, oh, is this? Can I, can my awareness expand? Can I inc- embrace this, include this, and just be washing through that with breathing, with gentle intentionality, just to sense this more fully to be present with this, you know, resonant way. Resonant way means instead of that's there, you know, there's a very simplistic reaction, or change it, make something else, I just, just, you know, resonating. It's like, how does it feel like this? What's help? How's that? How's that? It's just that sense of resounding and how am I with that? Am I getting, you know, I want to find out what this is about. What's all this about? I'll just ease up now. Or, oh, oh, it doesn't really, no, no, just ease up now. You know? Yeah, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Just, just ease up, just ease up. So it's a, the intentionality that's actually, it's even softly defined. It's not really seeking you know, razor-sharp understanding of things, but seeking how to relate to experience. Tell me. You know? Show me. You know, if you only met one creature in your life, you know, if you only had a dog, for example, you probably, our relationship may just pat it on the head and give it some, give it a bone. But then, you know, you meet a person, you pat them on the head, give them a bow, <laughs> you know, you're happy, what goes wrong? Well, if we started a relationship, it's a good idea, that was good, but, so, <laughs> you know, you've got to kind of be a bit more fluent, flexible in it than that. <laughs> so every every new one is like, well, I don't need to learn about this one. Is it about patience, or spaciousness, or firming up, or moving in, or what is it about? Tell me, teach me. So we're actually using our experiences as a way to learn about relationship in a very intimate and internalized way, I'd say. And I stay open and looking for the clues, looking for where the mind, where things bright and all seem to, ah, yes, ah, that's what's needed, just that. Calming is, is not just a suppression and flattening everything out. It's a process of deeply sensing and it's not, it's a very acute quality. It requires acuteness and balance and poise and respect. And what really helps now. 
So there's a lot of wisdom that comes just in the process of calming, clarifying, easing up. And a lot of the wisdom comes in terms of, of learning about our attitudes, where we're coming from, our expectations, our unwritten agendas to experience something other than this, generally is my agenda. <laughs> the next thing that gets better, that's on the agenda, isn't it? Uh, well, you know, is, is that really the best way to approach things? <laughs> mm. Mm. Calming leads to insight and into uh, our attitudes, into the conditionality of experience. This means the way that I attend has, a, has an effect on what's being attended to. I attend to things with a skimpy attention, and that affects what I'm attending to. I attend to it with a driving attention, that affects what I attend to. I attend to it with a kindly attention, and that affects that. I'm negligent, scattered, impatient, that affects that. Conditionality, intention, intention, attitude, attention, sustained focus, what one focuses on, and fine or wide or flexible one's focuses. Uh, when we're peering, think attention means get right up close, sometimes it doesn't, it means get stand back, um, give more space. You're going up too close, you try to, you know, contemplate them. The Mona Lisa from one half an inch away doesn't look so good. <laughs> Stand back and get it in perspective. Some things you don't want to get close to, you just, you know, just fluctuating. Where does it, where does it come into focus, a useful focus uh, to really understand things? The aim of understanding things, seeing things clearly is to understand how it all is, conditioned, dependent. Yeah and how things arise, qualities arise. Mm-hmm. Now, if we are beginning to um, work on our sense of clipping, that is, you know, trying to make things come to an end, stop, well, you know, just, just let things shift and move. Rushing in, you know, another thing, rushing to get things done, and just let things arise, settle what comes up. Getting your project going, and things arise, and things form. Come to the end of a sitting, say a bell rings, and see how things dissolve. What arises? This constant ocean of arising and passing, where nothing really absolutely begins and nothing really ends. It just shifts and changes, <coughs> changes, shifts and changes. Energy shift and change. Uh, forms, mental forms, physical forms, forms internalized, the sense of pressures and energies and heat, and that all shifts and changes, doesn't it? Mm. Sense of one's body changes, from sitting to standing to walking to reclining to the visual body, 
you know, to the hungry body, to the tired body. It's just, which is the real one? They're morphing. And if we, you know, the whole idea of basis of intensities of our energies, like to get to the place where the, whole, the big breakthrough occurs, you know, push to the place where the big breakthrough occurs, you know, finally get to the beyond or something. <laughs> My, one of my first intensives, well it was a bit intense, but um, I was doing a lot of intensive practice and then one day my teacher said, well you come and do three days and three nights without sleeping, just sitting, standing, walking. So that was quite intense. You know, you know waiting for the, this kind of work and it's, then she got to the end of that what's the big breakthrough I really want a cup of tea (laughs) 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 I really got this spent hours just fantasizing this great cup of tea (laughs) chocolate I didn't have at the end of it that was the big breakthrough (laughs) 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 what was all that about (laughs) (laughs) because even when you have a you know breakthrough and you get something else something else opens up could be trivial like that could be realizing you want to go to the bathroom could be some different state of consciousness opens up you know more refined well okay and next (laughs) Want to stay in this longer? Yeah, I've got a good space now. I want to stay in this. I don't want to come out. This is more clinging. <laughs> and it's going to end anyway. So you just get increasingly the sense of the development is increasing dispassion and it actually makes life so much easier. Which is really the aim of practice is just to make life a lot easier than it stops suffering, essentially. <laughs> Including. <laughs> The suffering of wanting to have a breakthrough, or the suffering of having, having had a breakthrough two years ago and wanting to go back to it again, or you know, wanting to have the breakthrough that somebody else had. That <laughs> 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 oh, sounds amazing. No, the, the real um, development, because there are these different shifts that can occur into different states of being, but. Uh, you know, Buddha was quite clear on that, having gone through all of it, said, well, no, the, it's the mind free from all clinging that's the deathless. It doesn't stick, hold, contract, seek to hold anything. It doesn't, not because you've told it, not just because it's seen, understood the, you know, the ephemeral nature of, of manifestations on any level, 
on whatever level you're at. So just even on a fairly mundane level, just how solid is any of this? It's made as solid as our fixation makes it. As our intensity makes it, as our identification makes it, as in fact the more that we drive into it, that's what makes it more solid. But even then it's not really solid, because it keeps changing, shifting. So, you know, if you're focusing steady attention, breathing in and out, you notice the breathing itself is in flow, in flux, and eventually the qualities of breathing begin to shift into something much more subtle. So it's hardly sensation anymore, it's just the luminous quality of something suffusing. Am I breathing or not? Don't think about it, just that's what's happening. Rising, shifting, changing, quieting. And so, you know, well, that's quite nice actually. <laughs> Agreeable, call it a pleasant, peaceful, happy abiding. But, um, But what it does begin to make, you more realize how everything really is just very conditioned. And certainly some are a lot more pleasant than others, agreeable than others. But it's really all just flowing forms, changes, shifts and changes. They don't really absolutely begin, they just arise and they fade. Which is different from beginning and ending. Mm. Arising means it's something like we might say if the you know the image I use is of a condensation occurring on glass. So over time say you might notice it's cool outside, the windows gradually mist. There's water droplets start to form. You might even get a trickle of water. When did it? When did that begin? It sort of formed, didn't it? It rose because of the coolness of the glass and the dampness of the atmosphere. But it wasn't like we were throwing drops of water onto the glass. It was just our breath, warmth, our breath, the dampness. The glass cools, and there's a tendency for things to form, qualities to form. And if we like that, and then you've got a heater or a hairdryer, and you play it over the glass, those would evaporate. Did they, did they end? Did they, where did they go? Did you destroy them? Did, where did they go? They just deformed, and they're back into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So it's just that, you know, really, where, where do tendencies come from? Where do your thoughts arise from? Have you ever just contemplated the way a thought begins? Take a simple thought, deliberately think. Get to the moment you're about to think, wonder what to think about. Realise you're already thinking, you're thinking about what to think about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where did that begin? began with an intention, didn't it? Like, let me think. Where did the intention come from? 
You know, so all these are, you know, now often our intention is driven by some kind of motivation or another. I've got to figure out where I'm going next week. Therefore, the thought arises. So something definitely pushes it in. We can say it's conditioned arising. But it doesn't really just begin. It starts to, because first of all, maybe you don't know. Uh, maybe it could be, I should, but ought to, this, that. I, mean, I know, flash. But that took a little microsecond, maybe, or maybe a few seconds to occur. So it's like the, the moisture landing on the glass, and at a certain point it condenses and you get the trickle. So arising. What this means is nothing finally has a, a something that doesn't really begin. Where does it end? Where does it fade? It starts to deconstruct. If we just stay with it and decide, you know, to not keep thinking, but just to let that thought form change. Does it end or does it just subside into half thoughts, echoes, silences, increasing silence, and then maybe we're breathing? And call it evaporates, it subsides. And something that doesn't begin and doesn't end, hmm, how solid is that? Is it something to take a stand on? Or to, um, you know, see as something to take a stand on, or to object to, or to get, you know, identify with? This is myself, this is my thinking. Who is the me that thinks? Where does that arise from? Intention, attention, contact impressions, motivations, attitudes. Circumstances, um, interests, um, other people's requests, whatever, you know, something's getting it stirring. Apart from the stirring, where would it begin? If there were no stirring, where would it begin? Where does stirring begin? It's arising, isn't it? Potency for the arising of conditions in this lifespan. Everybody thinks. Is that a problem? Does the feature of this lifespan, this energy form, this experiencing form, this experiencing that can it not perceive, can it not feel, can it not think, it's conditioned and those conditions may subside, and the potency is still there. So who's that? Do we have to identify with those interests, desires, passions, phobias, worries, concerns? If we don't identify with them, does that mean they stay, it's okay, you just locked in it? What does it mean there's a sense of gentling and spaciousness around that that allows them to do what they do? And because of the lack of intensity, of negation or favouring, there's a gentle 
the rising, subsiding, with no sting and no teeth in it, no fangs. It's this way. How many things still, what things grip you? What things bite you? What things stab you? What things weigh on you? These are your sparring partners <laughs> asking you to just be a little more spacious with that. A little more resolved with that. Don't waver with it. Don't think it's really unsurmountable or that you have to even surmount it. Develop the relationship. These are these mysterious creatures that inhabit us. You have it in this space. Remember it's, you know, it's like opening a can of worms, but actually it's not even that. It's all worms and no can. The <laughs> 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 can was the problem, not the answer. <laughs> Instead of a mechanic, there's a sense of, you know, some worms are nicer than others, it's true. <laughs> Prettier than others. But they're all worms. They wriggle. That's their nature. And you see this internally, and increasingly as you begin to feel more confidence in the domain of practice, you see it around you, you see it in the nature, it's all out there, isn't it? All wriggling and writhing and breathing and suffusing and doing stuff. You see it in humans, and you see it in the relationship with humans, you're enjoying apprehension, uh, eagerness, wavering, oh, what am I supposed to do, is she okay, all that kind of, all the worms moving. What are you supposed to do with that? You're feeling yeah, awkward about it, annoyed with it, embarrassed by it. This is, this is just what minds do, isn't it? They, they, they have that nature because nothing is really that certain. If it is certain, we've got a problem, really. It's something that's always a respectful, tentative, and say, well, I just sustain relationship, whatever it is. That's something I, I trust more. I don't know quite what that relationship will be, but uh, it's whether it will be one of bearing with, or giving to, or receiving from, or abiding with, or you know, standing one's ground with. You know, but we'll see. But you recognise it's something that you can't. You don't want to cut off. Or pre prejudge some strategy. Oh, this is what you do with this. This is what you do with this. Pause, wide and softly. How is this? Worms meeting worms. This makes life a lot easier, actually. Thank goodness. It's not just all set pieces and fixed conclusions and strategies that we have to have planned out in advance. And stuff that you 
got to memorize. It's just wing it. (laughs) And it's internal. It's in your body. It's just feeling it out. And just recognizing, well, these qualities, these conundrums, these joys, these interests, they're something that will be uh, will guide my relational quality, that quality, which is non-grasping, non-demanding, non-resisting, non-possessive, non-abandoning, doesn't reject anything, doesn't grasp anything. It's called a person of nothing. Um, rejects nothing, is not his, holds on to nothing as belonging to. Mm. It may sound dire, but actually it's tremendously open and loving, respectful. Gives things room to breathe, to move, to be how they are. Because they are. And when they finished, when they finished, they finished. it's not for up to us to cut them off. What we need to cut off is our impatience and our um, fixed views, those things, (coughs) Um, the stuckness, rigidities. And even though we begin to recognize, you know, that's, these are just energies that are stuck dependently arisen on not seeing things clearly, uh, on craving to be something, to be something happy or to be some state or another, and this thing is getting in my way. Yeah, it's true. You know? Sickness does get in the way of feeling healthy. Yeah. But it doesn't get in the way of awakening. So we come to realize that that's the only thing we could ever do, really. The only thing we could ever really do is, is wake up. It's not like that's a little, you know, side issue, hobby. It's the only thing we'd ever get right. <laughs> <laughs> is waking up to how it is. This is some of the kind of inevitability of, of Dharma. And, uh, yeah. and it makes life a lot easier. Mm. Now, these realizations or this seeing how it is, is also dependent, requires that uh, uh, occasions and supports that encourage that uh, we're not suddenly rushed into having to have or make or stop or change or become something. And that's an enormous benefit. You know, here, retreat, it's all right. You can be as miserable as you want. just, you know, it's, it's no real pressure to, to make something or have something or be something. And it just 
trusting, it's a very trusting and generous uh, occasion. And to receive the gift of that. Not something you have to to be in order to be here, apart from to be here. That's up to you. In terms of action, of course, we have the sense of, well, you know, it's the precepts, refuges, because that allows us all to be here. That, that's essential. We want to make it something that allows us all to be here, because in the mutuality of it, something also is known and developed that you don't quite get on your own. You can't quite hold your own space so firmly when you're in mutual condition. And that's, that's okay. It's just those nudges and those senses that occur when you see others and you see somebody obviously looking sad and what happens there. Or you see someone you get some kind of feeling about what happens there. Yeah. Or you wonder how people feel about you, what happens there. And these are really potent places. And we're just holding that respectfully, openly. Oh, this also is one of the words. Big one, actually. Potency in that. So it's safe. It's safe to be here with others. Maybe frightening at times. You know, it may throw up your one's anxiety or one's comparative mind or one's, you know, criticism of others or feeling criticized by others. That's all grist for the mill. But essentially, you know, there's a safety that's being offered. And it's our honour, really, to say this is mostly what I, one of the main things that we're all hopefully being encouraged to do is just to really make it safe for each other. You know, I can offer this for another being, that's something, isn't it? I can be part of that which offers a sanctuary for somebody else. Isn't that something worthwhile? Mm-hmm. And somebody else can be in their space without, you know, fear, without judgment. Isn't that something one can offer? So it's something that can occur in mutuality. We, you know, it isn't really about personal intrusion, it's about per- deep self-mutual respect and, and permission. This is something that allows us just to give us, because sometimes we don't have enough permission for ourselves. We don't give ourselves that. Something about the mutuality that offers that can help to catalyze that in, our, in ourselves. And this is where love grows from that. You know? It's the rock bottom is offering safety. And to just absorb into that, take up that, this is where the grounded metta comes from, and compassion, empathy comes from that, that 
arising in the sphere of mutuality. What is one's first primary thing is to let it be safe, let it be free from intrusion, obstruction, reactivity, and ground level to others as to myself, because really essentially there's not much distinction at that fundamental level. It's just perceptions and images and emotions arising, whether I sense them coming from out there or in here, well, whatever. It's being it's felt here. Mm-hmm. You know, just that touching into that quality. to take it down to just what it, you know, from something like that, a very wide perceptual field, and down to what, standing and walking, what does it take to, to walk? How does walking happen? You know, well, walking doesn't happen without ground to walk on, does it? Walking on thin air, not going to get very far. So, recognizing contact floor, sensation, Muscles flexing, intentionality, movements, energies shifting, pressure shifting, weight shifting, sense of space around you that allows you to move forward. You know, where is the singularity in that? If there were no space, how could you move? Do you notice space? Such an essential aspect of everything. You could, if there were no space, you couldn't walk. But do you, do you walk into space, into the space in front of you with that sense of, oh yes, there's this. Or are we sort of buried inside somewhere? Here I am walking, here I am walking. As soon as it comes into I am walking, it's already, we've already, the mistake has already occurred. If you, if you basis is I am walking, well, what's going to happen next when you come into I am walking? What do you think is going to happen next? Well, where to? Uh, how long? <laughs> In other words, suffering. If I am walking, it might be, am I walking in the right way? Uh, you know, am I doing the correct walking practice? Well, I'm supposed to get out of walking practice anyway. <laughs> you know, can it, is it possible to sustain the idea I am walking without suffering? Do we need to have that? <laughs> that sense I am walking. It's really a conceptual proliferation. I I am never walks. I am just sits back and criticizes. About <laughs> 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 everything that happens. <laughs> Favors and opposes. But walking walks. It's a beautiful arising of conditions based upon intention, consciousness, form, perception, sensations, this blending of this. And in this, this beauty of the arising is also emptiness. It's arising that's also emptying. There's nobody in there walking, so it's void of pressure. There's nobody carrying the weight of it, or the responsibility of it, or the 
getting somewhere with it, or trying to get it right. If that's gone, then it's both arising and also empty at the same time. And this is this is beauty of seeing it as it is. Mm-hmm. So walking and sitting is the moment of maybe I should do some sitting. How long have I been walking for? Maybe I should do some sitting now. <laughs> and you pause and smile. Maybe okay. See what happens with that. Generally, if I do walking, I walk, start walking, and I walk till I've fed up with walking. When I'm fed up with walking, I walk a bit more till till that's gone. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) But sometimes it's just the bell that stops me walking, or some bed or another. Okay, time to stop. Or fatigue, or inclination. I tend to take note of that. This is the piece. That's where the attention shifted. What was that about? It doesn't matter. It's not a big problem. It's just noting, being aware of intentionality, how it shifts and changes. And uh, what was the condition to that? Cause of that. So we, our practice is just that unfolding of honesty, openness, it makes life easier. Less a matter of failure and success, more a matter of flow and change and ongoing relationships.